0: Ladies and gentlemen, you for standing by, and welcome to the Domo's fourth quarter fiscal year 2021 earnings call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question-and-answer session. To ask a question during the session, you'll need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you record any further assistance, please press star 0. And with that, I will hand the call over to Peter Lowry, Domo's Vice President and Director Relations.
1: Good afternoon and welcome. On the call today, we have Josh James, our founder and CPO, Bruce Bell, our CFO, and Julie Kehoe, our Chief Communications Officer. Julie will off with our safeguard statement and then on to the call.
2: Julie? Thanks, hey. Pete. Our press release was issued after the market closed and is posted in the Investor Relations section of our website, where this call is also being webcast. Statements made on this call include forward-looking statements related to our business under federal security laws, including statements about financial projections, the plans and expectations for our go-to-market strategy, our expectations for our sales and new business initiatives, the impact of COVID-19 on our business, and our financial position. These statements are subject to a variety of risks, uncertainties, and functions. For a discussion of these risks and uncertainties, please refer to documents we filed with the SEC, in particular today's press release, our most recently filed annual report on Form 10-K, and our most recently filed quarterly report on Form 10-Q. These documents contain and identify important risk factors and other information that may cause our actual results Differ materially from those contained in our forward looking statements. in addition, during today's call, we will discuss non GAAP financial measures which we believe are useful as supplemental measures of DOmo's performance. Other than revenue, unless otherwise stated, we will be discussing our results operations on a non GAAP basis. These non GAAP measures should be considered in addition to earnings press release for a reconciliation of our non GAAP financial measures to the most directly comparable GAAP measure. With that, let me hand it over to Josh. Over
1: to you, Josh. Well, thank you, Julie. And hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the call today. I hope that everyone in their family is in good health. I'm grateful for every member of our team who over the last 12 months found the dedication, creativity, and resolve to support our customers and our business. So, Team Let was really an outstanding year. I'm optimistic about the macro recovery that's in front of our entire society. As we all focus on getting back to normal. Now, to Domo's performance, we really had a breakout quarter and year. and I am so proud of our team and really the decade of work from so many people. Q4 capped a tremendous four quarters from Domo. Q four, we posted twenty eight percent billings growth, twenty-six percent revenue growth, and twenty three percent full revenue growth. So over the last four quarters, that's billings growth. It started at thirteen percent in Q1, grew to twenty in Q three and not and also we set ourselves up to really execute well as we enter into this new fiscal year. Digital transformation initiatives remain a top IT spending priority in 2021. And over the year, we've seen that demand for modern BI has accelerated. And it fits to our value proposition of customers leverage their existing BI investments due to it at a massive scale in the cloud At an unbelievable speed. In many cases, businesses want data faster than ever and are embracing transformation for all parts of their business, from machines to end users. As an example, a cold chain equipment manufacturer needed to closely monitor sensors for temperature controlled refrigeration units housing covid vaccines. This customer is connecting to IT, regulatory data to effectively manage safe vaccine. And these examples are becoming more and more normal. Just last week, a CIO customer proactively reached out to us to let us know how ecstatic they are with Domo. They're innovating a company with Domo to create a new service that is the insurance insurance industry's first true aggregated view of the entire insurance experience between the insurance consumer, insurance agency, and the insurance carrier, all seen, analyzed, and dynamically presented by Domo. To put some of this to numbers, Domo is helping this company bring together 143 cloud data connections, across 17 different Salesforce orgs, creating over 7 million rows of data, representing over $170 million in insurance premium. And as he said to us, this is only the beginning. We also introduced several new product capabilities to make it easier to put any data to work more effectively, and we've seen a market that is moving in that direction, resulting in better recognition of Domo's unique value. The building on this point, as we've seen with much of the consolidation that's been taking place in our space, Domo was way out in front of building the future model for modern BI. We're now seeing this come to fruition as not only have we been copied by many others, Finally, the market's coming to us and recognizing that leadership in our vision. And finally, we've dramatically improved our analyst rankings. So for instance, Domo moves into the challenger quadrant in the ever-important 2021 Gartner magic quadrant for analytics and business intelligence platforms. Now this is due to the recognition of the quality of our product particularly in the areas of data preparation and manageability, which give line of business, IT, and data leaders more capability and confidence to put data to work at scale and record time across the entire business. Now, this improved ranking in the Gartner Magic Quadrant will certainly have an impact on our business. Given our reputation for delivering easy to use solutions appeal to line-of-business executives, we believe our full end-to-end capabilities should really be a tailwind to our sales efforts. On our go-to-market, we're finding that our message of delivering BI leverage at cloud scale in record time continues to resonate. In addition, led by our sales leadership of Ian Tickle, Jeff Skousen, and Jim Kowalski, but also led by many other sales leaders throughout Jeff's and Jim's US organizations, and also led by our sales leaders in Europe and Asia, our sales rigor and our sales force productivity have significantly improved, resulting of course, in better new business cadence throughout the year. I'm really proud that we achieved our strong top line performance while driving operating expenses down year over year. This has also put us in a much better position financially. We reached the adjusted operating cash flow positive milestone in Q3. And in fact, we were free cash flow positive in Q3 and Q4. We also ended the year with more than $200 million of ARR across more than 2,000 customers and more than $90 million of cash in the bank. We've also made strong progress with our Domo Everywhere solution. Now, this is our offering that helps customers extend the value of their data outside their organizations to their customers, partners, and suppliers. Domo Everywhere isn't just embedded analytics. It also allows a full Domo experience to our customers' customers, helping them deliver new data experiences and creating new revenue streams by monetizing data that they already have. And we have a very strong pipeline of Domo Everywhere deals heading into year 22. Last year, in fact, we closed more than 200 deals with Domo Everywhere, with over 10 of them north of $100,000 and two of them that were seven-figure contracts. So now let me talk about some of the Q4 business highlights. Q4 was driven by continued strong customer account growth, significant new wins, and continued expansion with existing customers. One highlight was a seven-figure upsell at a global health enterprise for company-wide analytics to help improve the patient experience. We won this deal because we were able to solve their data integration issues and get the right data to the right people across the organization better and faster than any other solution that they looked at before domo this process of getting the right data together and making it actionable used to take them weeks every time they wanted to run the data and now with domo seconds another highlight was a seven-figure deal with a partner that is bringing next-generation health products to market with Domo's intelligent apps. Additionally, in the public sector, we also signed a state expansion worth more than $500,000 and to provide analytics around vaccine distribution. We're proud of the value we've delivered to state governments, which has also resulted in expansions outside of COVID use cases we had significant new logo wins as well. We won a new $500,000 plus ACB deal with a leading omnichannel retailer. Domo was chosen after a PLC to support their CEO's goal of creating a more data-driven and action-oriented culture. Domo won because we demonstrated the record speed at which we could deliver self-service insights to decision makers across their entire company to support a more agile business. Additionally, we won a new logo deal with a Fortune 500 restaurant corporation. We won this deal based on our ability to merge online and offline sales data across dozens of point of sale systems from tens of thousands of franchises to deliver uniform analytics, visibility, and transparency across all of their brands, all of their geographies, and all of their segments. We won this contract with the support of a C-level executive's prior experience with Domo at one of the nation's largest media groups. Now, let me talk about some of our plans for our upcoming year. We've executed well over the last 12 months, and now that we're in a much better financial position, we are able to think about how to invest for growth. And Let me tell you, I'm very excited to be able to finally start playing offense. We've been playing defense for the last few years, and now we get to really focus on playing offense. We'll do it diligently, we'll do it responsibly, but it's a mindset shift, and we're very excited about it. We are looking to accelerate our long-term sustainable growth, and the progress we've made across the board over the past year gives me confidence in the investments we're making. So let me share with you some of these investments. Hiring. We've been hiring salespeople over the past several months and plan to increase our sales capacity to support at least 20% longer-term growth just to start. As we've been growing faster, and we have aspirations to grow much faster than that, we are also investing in sales enablement and customer success initiatives to drive customer satisfaction, course retention, renewals, and new business. We've also made some key leadership hires we believe will help us accelerate some very important initiatives for us this year. First, Gita Shannon joins us from KPMG and Oracle to lead our partnership and ecosystem efforts. Also, Shelley Morrison has joined us to run our demand center, bringing her expertise in leading global demand programs for companies such as Adobe, Amazon, and SAP while she was at Accenture Interactive. I'll close with some of our recent industry recognition and company progress, as I think they speak to our relevance and our commitment to our mission of transforming the way business is managed with modern BI for all. As mentioned earlier, Yoma was named a challenger in the 2021 Gartner Magic Quadrant for analytics and business intelligence platforms. We feel this signals a strong product-market fit for our solution and validates the investments we've made to deliver end-to-end BI capabilities that help companies accelerate their digital transformation initiatives. Dilma was also named a multiple category winner in the Tresner Advisory Services 2020 Technology Innovation Awards for being a top-ranked solution in multiple market reports throughout the year. Dilma was also honored as a 2020 to 2021 best cloud business intelligence for analytics solution by the cloud awards. And as you saw yesterday in our announcement with Snowflake, Frank and I announced the advancements in the Snowflake Domo partnership where we've achieved premier status in Snowflake's Partner Connect program. And on the product front, a native integration that allows Snowflake customers to better leverage their data that's in Snowflake. You'll hear more product news like this at don't later this month. On another front, we are very proud to be a strong corporate citizen in our community. Locally, we've led out on a number of DEI initiatives. And more globally, the parity pledge that I helped found with Catherine Stickney to achieve gender parity at the highest levels of leadership has now been taken by close to 500 companies that represent more than 1 million employees on six continents. And also, of everyone I've recruited to our board, a full 50% of them are women. This past year, in addition to the Parity Pledge for just the senior levels of leadership, we extended that Parity Pledge out to every position that we hire in the company. And then we created a second Parity Pledge for Ethnic Diversity and are now interviewing a broader slate of diverse hires for every single position that we hire in Domo. So of course, not by chance, with great effort and also with great pride, in the second half of the year, women and underrepresented minorities represented almost 40% of our new hires. So in closing, I'm thrilled with our Q4 and full year results. I'm incredibly proud of the progress we've made across the board over the past year, and I'm thrilled to be playing offense. This is when things get fun, and I'm so excited about that. I feel great about how we're positioned heading into fiscal year 22, and I certainly look forward to updating you as we execute against our plan. We're hosting our annual user conference, Domeapalooza, March 24th. We'll be virtual again this year, and I look forward to sharing more about our vision of modern BI for all and exciting product news that will continue to deliver on this vision. And with that, I will now turn the time over to the Bruce. Bruce. Thank you, Josh. We had a strong Q4, and I'm pleased for the execution throughout fiscal year 21. I'll review the details behind the performance and then discuss first quarter and fiscal 2022 full-year guidance. q Q4 billings of $82.8 million, a year-over-year increase of 28%, was driven by strong new customer count growth, upsell and expansion, and high retention rates, with gross retention approaching 90%, and we continue to invest in retention as a long-term target is 90% or better. Net retention remained above 100%. At the same time, our billing terms strengthened even against the backdrop of pandemic driven challenges in some segments of our customer base. We had 62% of our customers under multi-year contracts at the end of Q4. Our remaining performance obligations for RPO grew 21% compared to the same quarter last year. Current RPO or RBO expectedly recognizes revenue over the next twelve months to twenty three percent year over year. For total revenue fifty six point eight million, a year over year increase to twenty three percent. Subscription revenue twenty six year over year, twenty six percent year over year, and represented eighty eight percent of total revenue that we continue to increase on, on our recurring revenue. Our 24% of total revenue Q3. Our subscription growth margin was 82%, up more than 5 percentage points 77% in Q4 last year, and up over 1% percentage point since quarter. We continue to be successful managing our data center costs, even since volumes increase. In Q4 operating expenses decreased by 5% from last year, even though revenue increased by 23%, off, with an improvement in our operating margin of 33 percentage points from the same quarter last year. Our net loss was 9.8 million, and our net loss per share was 32 cents. This is based on 30.2 million weighted average shares outstanding, basic and diluted. In Q4, we reported cash flow from operations of 3.5 million, as no adjustment was necessary for an employee stock purchase plan, an improvement of 2.1 million over last quarter. In fact, we generated 2.1 million of free cash flow this quarter. This performance contributed to our cash balance increasing by 7 million this quarter to approximately $91 million. Now to discuss what we expect in Q1 and the full year FY22. For Q1, we're expecting billings of about 54 million, up 16% year over year. Note that this guidance is against a tough compare as Q1 of last year included 6 million of billings from three COVID related state deals, we quote. For the current fiscal year, we expect billings growth of about 16% year over year. Now let me explain some of the thought process behind the 16% growth guidance. As mentioned in the previous quarter, we've been building our self-capacity and we are continuing to build our self-capacity going into fiscal year 22. The goal is to build enough capacity to support sustainable 20% plus Longer term growth. We have aggressive short term hiring goals. And our experience has shown that hiring at these levels causes productivity of the onboarded reps to decline. We have modeled in a decline, but if we are able to maintain our productivity rate through the onboard process, we have upside to the guidance. Similarly, We don't factor in a large contribution from hire, onboard, and ramp new reps. However, if we have early hiring and onboarding success, that could provide upside as well. Partnerships is another area of focus on possible upside. As Josh mentioned, we have hired a new head of partnership. We had meaningful help on new business from partners in fiscal year 21. We intend to put even more focus behind this effort in fiscal year 22 as we view this as a significant longer-term growth driver. On expenses, we're planning for Q1 operating expenses increasing from the Q4 levels, primarily as we invest in sales capacity, host our annual user conference, and have higher payroll-related expenses in Q1. For the year, we're also expecting operating expenses to increase, with the largest increase in sales and marketing as we invest in our growth initiatives. We expect Q one and full year adjusted net cash provided by operations to be slightly positive throughout the year. Now the formal guidance. for the first quarter, fiscal twenty two, we expect GAAP revenue to be in the range of fifty six point five million to fifty seven point five million. We expect non gaap net loss per share, basically diluted, to forty three cents to forty seven cents. This is thirty one point one. Million weighted average shares outstanding, basic and diluted. For the full year of fiscal 22, we expect gap revenue to be in the range of 240 million to 245 million, representing year-over-year growth of 14 to 17 percent. We expect non-GAAP net loss per share, basic and diluted, of $1.53 to $1.63. This is saying 32.2 million weighted average shares outstanding, basic and diluted. In closing, we're pleased with our execution in Q4 and are optimistic about our financial position and growth opportunities ahead of us. With that, we'll open up the call for questions. Operator.
0: As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. To draw your questions, press the phone or key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question comes from Sandeep. With Morgan Stanley, your line is open.
1: Uh, thank you for taking the questions, and congrats to uh, to the entire Douglas team. Um pretty incredible year, um, so congrats on the Thank around. you. I question, my question is um, if for, for, for Bruce. Um, I appreciate that the context around the guidance. I wanted to introduce a couple of elements to help understand the guidance for next year. So, one, the sort of impact from, like, the sort of COVID, uh, you know, um, um, command center apps. I just, how much of a tough contributor does that um, represent? Two, if you could comment on the renewal base next year. Is the renewal base larger going into next year versus versus um, last year um, on a year over year year basis?
2: And then the third element is um, your view on the spending environment. What's the underlying assumption there? How does that look into the And what's the assumption on the spending environment as we
1: as we progress next year? Right Sure. So on the um COVID related one, and specifically for the comment about Q one. Um we definitely have Headwind and uh Q one just because we had the six million dollars in four and a half recurring, uh you know, six million in total. That was covid driven. Uh, that was the three state So we feel like those to stay, But we don't um uh, we have to get you know six million more too to keep to keep the growth rate going so that, that's that's the tough comparison to you want um <clears throat> on the re- on the retail base and, and it' really about the whole year if you think about it because uh we had some quite a bit of covid specific um deals throughout the year uh the good news is we actually see some of that continuing so that kind of mitigates, you know, full year kind of tough. Compare we're able to help people roll out vaccines, for example. Um, on, the, on the renewal base, um, I mean, the, the base is certainly higher this year. I mean, it's the classic um, ads, uh start with beginning ARR, add a new recurrent during you know, factor in churn, sure, and then you have a you know, then you have your uh, kind of renewal base. Um, but yeah, the renewal base is definitely much higher than last year because you're you're able to add to it the new recurring revenue that was generated this year, or in our case, really the new recurring um, or the new ARR, I guess we'll call it. So, so that's true. <clears throat> and then on the spending part, generally speaking, I mean the uh, the difficulty that we still see difficulty for some of our customers who are still in challenged industries and it hasn't quite turned yet. You know, from auto retail, certainly uh, transportation, hospitality, more generally. Um, we did, however, have to with those customers because they just had to get to the data to understand the ramification of COVID on their own business and because we can move so fast at scale and we can be distributed so quickly and in the cloud. Uh we were a preferred vendor. And uh you know, people just couldn't kind of wait in line the way to be old actually data. They really had to cut through that. That's what that's what Domo does. And and obviously we you know, we believe you know, we we read the newspapers the same as you the stimulus uh plus the um uh, activations you know, we, we think we'll bring optimism to the business community and you know, very much look forward to what we hope is a much more robust environment next year. We can't really we can't really factor that into our numbers, I would say. But uh, I mean everything seems to be pointing that way you know, we we certainly hope it plays up Great. No, I appreciate the thoughts there, Bruce. And then Josh, are you maybe comment on like partnership starting um with, with Snowflake, um you know, um, endorse a press release for for anybody, and so that was really nice to see. But maybe talk about what you what the team is building with Snowflake, and then to what extent do you think that'll help you um, sort of as an entry point to the you know a, a pretty fast growing Snowflake customer base to help um, serve out some of their data, data to their to those business users and those customers. What what, what sort of the roadmap? Um, uh for snowflake and and if you want to comment on the broader partner strategy um feel free to do so yeah so I mean, this definitely was a a breakout year for us in terms of partners this year uh it's a you know, it's been a multi year effort and you know trying to find the the right relationships and uh, how we fit into the ecosystem most effectively with with the other players uh snowflake's been a really Healthy relationship. Yeah, you know, we sat down with them early on. I sat down with Frank and, uh, he basically laid out, laid out a blueprint for things that we could do that would be, uh, differentiated in the marketplace. And, uh, we did some of those things at the very beginning and with to the sales organization and, and it's helped us with, with our deals, uh, especially where Snowflake is already installed or where someone's making a Snowflake purchase. And then there were other things that they asked us to do, um, that truly would be differentiated. And, some of that relates to, you know, being able to take that data that's in Snowflake, um, but then also take our entire back end and have it run on Snowflake. And so it's all still in the cloud, uh, but it's all in Snowflake. Our entire back end can be Snowflake and yeah, can Snowflake. And that's uh, something that really helps the relationship that they have with the customers. It increases the speed and it certainly increases the reliance that those customers have on both us and Snowflake in a world where CIOs are trying to figure out how to make sense of the, you know, team partners that want to be their data platform. Uh, so it's been a healthy relationship, and and uh, I think Frank appreciated what uh, we've done relative to the strategy that, that he laid out in that meeting, and, and so we were certainly appreciative of him uh, being on that press release and, and helping us go to market. I think broadly speaking with partners, uh, in fact, while we were on this call and uh, we pre recorded uh with with COVID now being able to be able to being able to be in the same room, we pre record our, our prepared remarks. And in those um well, while those prepared remarks were being read, I got a text message from one of our partners uh, who just had a big opportunity with a federal deal. And um so having that breakout year that we had where we went from basically zero in partnerships to having Uh, About a million bucks or so uh, in new deals between two partners this year, and you know, hoping to see what that turns into next year. But we have these great relationships that have brought us uh, new revenue and new logos, and certainly want to improve on that this year. I appreciate the thoughts, Jeff. I forgot to Thank you. Our
0: next question comes from Derek Woods. your line is open
1: thanks uh hats off to you guys for just an incredible transformative year and and exiting the year with 26 percent subscription growth um pretty very impressive to see thank you thank you um yeah so josh i'll I'll start with you and and so you know you've made this this pivot to be more interoperable with um the analytics ecosystem like what you're doing with snowflake and, and cloud data warehousing I'm curious, when it comes to selling your whole platform kind of giving companies a single uh, vendor serving many analytic needs, and I think you mentioned some on, on the call, uh, where are you seeing demand for that? Is that is that more in the commercial and international markets? Do you see enterprise opportunities as well? I mean, how do you balance the opportunities between the, the, the capstone approach and, and the full platform approach? That's a great question. Thank you, Thank you for asking that. Uh, it's something that I've mentioned at a few of the investor conferences, and I think it's really important that our investors understand. Uh, we have a full, you know, end-to-end, full stack because our enterprise customers have asked us for it. Almost every feature that we have came from big enterprise customers us for it. But you're right. They don't come to us at the beginning saying, well, we, wanna, we want a full stack purchase. Uh, let's replace 19 different things that we have here. That's not how the relationship works. And that's why I think it's important that you and, and keep on repeating the messaging that your BI leverage at cloud scale in record time. And that leverage, uh, to your point, you know, if it's a small commercial company, customer, yeah, you can be the full stack. If it's a large enterprise customer, then basically what we can go to them and say is, we can evolve and grow with you. We can be your data platform. And we have many customers that'll come back to us and be like, I thought I was just purchasing some visualization for some uh, executives that we need to get information to. And here we are a year later and we have more data in DOMO than we do in our own data warehouse uh more more than we do in our data lake. And you know, that's when they see these when they see these this evolution with their organization and how they just trust us more and more. They really start to look beyond just that initial capstone or that initial contract, and that's why we see more and more ourselves. And so, you know, we're going to continue to go straight down the middle, straight up the middle. Uh, we'll keep going there. We'll keep offering the full stack, but these these new local relationships where we'll go in with with one solution, we'll go in with it's part of the stack. We're more than happy to do that. It's BI leverage, whatever you have. We can help make it faster. We can help get you a lot more data. We can get it in people's fingertips. We can turn it turn it mobile for all the data that you have in your organization. We can help you connect to things that you're not connected to right now, uh, because we have a thousand connectors. So it's it's really something that we can get in there and get started in a variety of ways, and then evolve with that customer over time. That's that, that's great. Maybe one for Bruce. Um, It sounds like it was another uh, strong quarter of customer generation. Last quarter, you called out 50% growth. Um, Anything to call out uh, this quarter and before? And then, you know, I I know it may be early, but it's like you look at this this strength in new customer activity. um, Are are they going, is this, is this, they start small and they're going to expand bigger in in the upcoming year? Do they look more like they went big out of the gate and so less expansion? Just just curious how you're thinking about that cohort and, and how meaningful they could be in terms of expansion next year. Yeah, in terms of the first part of the question, we this was just a strong new, what we call new logo here. I mean, we added we an um, incredible number or more market customers than um, I've seen, well, certainly since we've been public and, and before then. Um so that was very promising and we like it because almost every customer, even small ones, almost has an endless, it's almost an endless opportunity for us to provide, you know, solutions to them where they could just keep generating, uh, business for us. I mean, the one, the one thing I'll point out is we, we basically focus more on getting the customers and less on the dollars. So, um, the average skill size went down, but I don't think that really is, that's not a reflection on the opportunity, and it didn't go down by much. So every one of these customers, um, is usually, well, now almost all of them, um, just by the way we sell it, is pretty much set up for an upsell on day one and we've been tweaking our pricing, we've been tweaking our messaging. Um, well, in Bruce, first I would add that that's, that's one of the things that we've seen with, um, because we've been evolving these relationships with our customers, we will have other very large companies in the ecosystem approach us and say, hey, with this you know, large company that we're both involved with, we should partner together and bring a joint solution and, you know, jointly try to be their data architecture of record, uh, that they can evolve with for the long, for the long haul. And so, you know, that's interesting in terms of, um, you know, you build these relationships out, you start getting brought into new customers that, that weren't customers of yours before that. And, um, you know, are able to increase your new logos. And then, you know, it's kind of funny, but that's also how acquisition conversations certainly start. Um, and, you know, we get overtures all the time and, you know, I always welcome the overtures and I'm always open to a conversation. Um, But, you know, you're not going to get a, a real strong uh, acquisition premium unless you're building relationships with big companies because those things don't just happen overnight with some, in places where there's no relationship, at least not if you want to get the right price for your shareholders. So uh, I think that's a really important component of all these, of all these conversations as well as just making sure that people know you're, you're open to, uh, building out your your ecosystem, and your relationships, because you never know what's going to happen over the long haul. Um, and you know, I think that's been I guess part to be recognized as a is an important part of the ecosystem with some of these really big customers that we have, uh, because it shows you that that uh, you know the big companies are hearing our name, and they're being told if they want to be more successful with that with that customer, then they need to integrate well with us. And so that's I think we're seeing a little bit of the, of the power. Uh, changing to our side as well, which is uh, which is a great reward for us. Yeah, well it sounds like you had a, a big breakthrough in market uh, awareness this past year. So um thanks for color. Well done. Thanks.
0: Our next question comes from Pat Will with GMP line is open.
1: Oh great. Um let me add my uh my congratulations um Great how the billing kept accelerating, All right, Josh, you opened the door, so I'm gonna step through it. Um under what circumstances would this business be told? Oh, I I I don't think it's nothing's changed in terms of you know I've tried to say it many times, but uh it's just you know anytime you get you get an, an offer where someone's willing to pay you for your future efforts. Um, then, you know, that's something that you have to evaluate and bring to your board and have conversations about what's the right thing for the shareholders. Um so, you know, I didn't want to sell amateur, but I got an offer that felt like it was the right thing for the shareholders and uh it was the right value relative to the risk reward that we were presenting at that point in time. And, you know, I think the same thing's here. Of course I'd love to do this for a long time. It's fun. Um uh, but the most important thing to me is winning. For sure, by far. Like I do not really want to play second place and be stuck there for a while. That sounds stupid. So, you know, we want to keep on trying to win. If someone's willing to pay for those future out years, then great. That's a real conversation to have. Uh, if it feels like that's a way to accelerate things and make sure that you're winning, and you're people that have great experiences with great customers, then that's something I think you have responsibility to. But we're not looking to sell. It's not for sale. But, you know, I'm definitely always open to having conversations. All right, great. Thank you.
0: Our next question comes from Jennifer Lau. Yes, you your line is open.
3: Great, thank you. And I'll echo the congratulations on the quarter and a strong finish to the year. Um, maybe starting with some of the investments and the shift into offense mode, it sounds like you're, you're you know, in terms of, of getting the sales capacity up, um, you're looking to be loaded on that. So maybe two questions. You know, one, is it reasonable to think that you've kind of identified candidates at this point, or people have actually come on board, or is it still sort of in the recruiting process? And two, you know, let's say six months down the road, everything's going as well as hoped, if not better. You know, is the inclination and, and revenues are coming in ahead, bills are coming in ahead, in ahead. with the inclination to to kind of continue to to hire at that pace, or you know, let it sort of digest for a bit? I know it's hard to know what the future holds, but. You know, how would you think about a scenario like that? Is is it put more money in or, or kind of let
1: it gel before taking the next plug? Yeah, that's a great question, and, and that's definitely what we're focused on. And I appreciate the uh, nice comments at the beginning, Jennifer, and hopefully they make it to the report as well. I'm waiting for that uh, massive overweight from Jennifer. I don't know. We've reached, we've reached Mecca. Uh, but the, uh, I think the call about you know, the question about hiring, that's definitely right on Um and we have been really successful so far. We, we really challenged the team, especially as it looked like we were doing well at the end of end of last year. Let's get these recruits on board. Let's get them on board ASAP because if we want them to have a chance at, at, at really adding value, uh, and adding revenue, uh, this quarter, I mean, sorry, this year, then we've got to get them on T one And that doesn't mean they're going to have an impact, but it means they have a chance. And, um, so we've been, we've already identified and hired, um, a couple dozen. And so that's been uh, something that we're really excited about and really proud of that, that management team and sales. They're just all doing a fantastic job. And HR and everyone that's been, uh, it's kind of student by right? Here's a new thing that we need to focus on. And I've been saying, it's offense. And that's so much more fun than, you know, who do we need to stack rank and figure out that maybe shouldn't be here? Um, it's just a—it's so much more interesting and so much more fun. You're excited when you wake up. And, and uh, so I think we're making some good success there. Now, Bruce, if you want to add any color. Well, I'll just add first, I'll, I'll reiterate your comment about Jennifer. But, uh, I'll also add that if if we do see success in the first batch, we're going to we're going to keep going. And what's nice about now being cash positive, we feel like we can afford it, and we have not been in that position since we're in public. So we don't know yet, for sure. We want to see how how this first batch of hiring goes, but I would love to just keep it going and therefore kind of set up, you know, a nice growth profile for next year.
3: Great. And maybe just one more for me. Um, You know, if you look at where those investments are going specifically, you know, you've got the great enterprise sales motion. You've also had a lot of full business on the corporate side. Is it going to be sort of evenly distributed across those those um, cohorts, or is there a particular focus in, in where the sales are going to go? With anything, that would be great. Thank you.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's a uh, the uh, oh, I was going to add just that, that uh, one area that we haven't been as successful is that it doesn't make sense just that we haven't been as successful there have been the companies kind of in that. One to five billion dollar revenue range. We have plenty of customers over five billion and we have plenty of customers under a billion. And that one to five, um, we've taken some of our, some of our better reps and had them focus on, on that section, uh, starting with last year and started to make some good progress there. So hopefully, um, we'll be able to continue that progress and then, and then double down because there's a lot of companies in that space. Uh, that need our products and we've been successful at, at servicing customers that size. So we think that's, a, that's an opportunity. But certainly, um, you know, more in, that, in the, the the corporate and, and enterprise business, um, more in strategic. Um, we we had a little bit of a pause and ace for a while, but now we're ramping that back up and we're starting to see the performance metrics that we need to see. I mean, performance metrics last year were uh, really strong. Uh, we don't need... We don't need stronger performance uh, on a per-rep basis. Uh, I'm sure we'll increase their quotas, but, you know, we don't need stronger performance on a per-rep basis. Uh, so I think, you know, there's still a lot of opportunity in Europe. Of course, some really big deals over there. So we've got great um, lighthouse customers. And same whole street for Japan. I mean, Japan, geez, go, you can go look at the the, the top, you know, a couple hundred companies, and the penetration that we have there is dramatically outsized relative to the size of the business that we have. So there's a huge opportunity there for us as well.
2: Thank
0: you. Our next question comes from Jack Andrews. Your line is open.
1: Well, thanks for taking the questions, and I'll add my congratulations on all the progress you've achieved thus far. Um you know, just continuing with the, you know, the theme of, of moving to offense, um, you know, Josh, you talked a lot about what's happening on the, uh, on the sales side. I was wondering if you could just talk about maybe some of the, uh, product advancements that you're looking to make to your portfolio of the product side of things. Yeah, for sure. Um uh, and it really, I mean, it, it's across everything. You know, it's across, when you think about HR and what everyone in HR is doing, uh, this year compared to what they were doing in, in Q one and Q two of last year, I mean, we went through the the most important task that I gave h r last year was uh everyone that that uh we had to let go of, you know making sure that they're we're doing everything that we can to help them get jobs and to you know we paid recruiters to place them and um that's what we were focused on. that's not helping drive the business It's was the right thing to do, but it's not helping drive the business that's defense. And now, you know, HR is trying to figure out, all right, who who are the top 100 people? What kind of training can we get them? Um, where are the opportunities to promote additional people that are here? How can we improve our diversity, uh, so that we are, you know, even more qualified to talk to customers? And then from a product perspective, uh, you look at, um, you look at, okay, we're, we've kind of settled with product that customers do not complain about. They don't, like, there's there's hardly any, I would say there's there haven't been any, but there's hardly any, if any at all, customers that have uh, quit paying us and didn't renew because of a product issue. It's just we're blessed with a fantastic team, uh, and that doesn't happen. And so being able to take that team, focus on offense, and say, hey, what are other things that we can do to increase revenue, to increase cross sells to increase upsells? What are new products that we can bring to bear that leverage the platforms that we have? Because one thing that is very unique about us, I don't think there's another company in the world that has as much data at any of the customers that we're at where that company knows what all of data is. And our machines know what that data is, too. So, you know, we know what their sales are. We know what their – how many employees they have. We know what is converting well. All of that data is sitting there, just ready to have AI and predictive applied to it or another app. That pulls that information out and presents it in a way that helps them run their business more efficiently and effectively. I uh, talking to a customer yesterday who said that uh, they just spent uh, a bunch of money on on diversity and inclusion, and they were challenged uh, they were going to pay a couple million bucks to solve the problem. And our customer raised his hand and said, couldn't well, do this with domo. And everything that that customer needed, to pay they literally were going to pay they were about to close a two million dollar deal everything that they needed he was able to do in two weeks two weeks with domo and that's what that was having a diversity and inclusion offering because we're already connected to the data and that's what he said he said i think domo has all the connections that we need for all of those oracle things that we're going to query let me see what i can put together and if i can build the app that you guys want to see and so we built a really rudimentary app in two weeks and saved them $2 bucks. So what if we went to market with a diversity and inclusion app that, because we know it connects to everything, and we brought some best practices there? Should we do that? I don't know. There's lots of opportunities like that, but we haven't been able to even think about that. But if we had, and all my sales people were armed with an additional product to go to market with that so we can go and sell as an upgrade for $100,000, $200,000 a year, who wouldn't buy that? Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities like that that we just continue to evaluate. We've had several of them that have been in in data internally at Domo that we are just getting ready to bring to the market, and we hope we're able to do that this year. Thanks. I really appreciate the commentary around that. Just as a quick follow-up question uh for Bruce, I, I just want to make sure we get maybe an update in terms of your view of multi-year contracts. I think you've mentioned you've reached the 62%. Um, threshold now. Are you actively looking to steer customers towards more multi-year contracts or are you effectively agnostic on that front? No, we we very much like multi-year contracts. Uh, The average is then, you know, 18 months, 20 months. Uh, We'd like to get it to 36 months. We think it's good for us and we think it's good for the customer. I mean, um they think the larger customers than the ones that are betting on us so they tend to want to go ahead and lock in price. But, you know, we, we incentivize ourselves for these multi-year contracts. We've been making that evolution for the last couple of years, and we want to keep doing that. Um, it's just it's, it's just good for the business. And, and again, I think it's good for our customers, too. Got it. Thanks, and congrats again. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you.
0: Again, if you'd like to ask a question, press star one on your telephone. Our next question comes from Camille with William Blair. Your line is open.
1: Hi, uh, thanks for taking my question and congratulations on the great end of the year. Uh, I, I just want to start by uh, to sharing a competition. Um, because Domo addresses so many layers of the stack and it's somewhat unique in its ability to provide this comprehensive end to end solution. Can you maybe tell us on who are some of the companies that you see your biggest threats over the coming years? And uh, in recent months, have you seen any changes in the competitive environment? I mean, we certainly hear um, Tableau has always been there. Power has always been there. I'm sure both of them will continue to be there. Uh, we've got, you know, I think ThoughtSpot and Sisense have done a really nice job building their businesses and being relevant in their own unique ways. Um, and so you know, those are the companies that we see, but it's not usually in head-to-head situations necessarily. Uh, just other people are making noise in contracts. I mean, I'm sure there's the majority of our customers have purchased stuff from everybody. Uh, so it just shows kind of the, the real opportunity that, that we have. And I think one of the things deciding is is the apps that we have, and that's where we don't compete with anybody. Uh, when, we're gonna, when we're in a, an account and um, we're just sitting there talking to them about a solution, you know, we like to call them the apps to fill in the gaps. When they have a need and they don't know where to get it and they have to go outside, they have someone do that for them to have, you know, some kind of consulting relationship or they're getting custom software, and we can put together an app in a couple of weeks, charge 10% or 20% or 30% of the contract and services, and then get a renewable $100,000, 200000 contract for an app that we just configured. Uh, that's really exciting. And, uh, it was fun because I got a, I got a notification on Domo last night and I looked at it and it was this, uh, enterprise customer that continues to buy apps from us. And I bought another one last night. So I, I texted, uh, our head of, our head of enterprise and, um, Jim Kowalski and I said, what, what is, who are these guys? What are they doing? They keep buying more apps. He's like, oh yeah, they're gonna buy five and they're gonna buy two more. Um, and you know, those are places, those are things that we're doing that it's not competitive in the slightest, and we're offering a great value to our customer and making great money off of it. So it's truly a win-win. It's just leveraging this amazing platform that that our people have built that's great colleague Josh. Thank you. Um and just a, as a quick follow up, um, how much of your recent margin uh improvements are attributable to factors like working from home and travel? And as we look out for the next one to two years and specifically in fiscal twenty two, as you try to continue to expand margins while growing revenue, how much of a headwind will that return in um paying expense be to uh investments back into the business as we get to a more normalized environment? Thanks. Well we didn't we didn't we didn't save any money on TV because Bruce already made us all pay for travel out of our own pockets. So that was just kind of a policy that he instituted, right, Bruce? Yeah, and I think I'm going to keep it because it's working. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real answer, Bruce. Yeah, well, the, I don't know that we really have a lot of uh, – it's really T&A, um savings, and I'm not sure – just jumps back to normal, um anytime soon. So I don't, I don't really see a headwind there. And I, I, I think we, we just overall still have a lot of leverage opportunities within our cost structure. Um you know, if we can keep growing the business at our goal of 20% plus, we don't have to have expenses grow at the same rate. And I don't, I don't see a step motion. Uh, I mean, gross margin is just one, one area, right, Bruce? I mean, gross margin, it's been – I mean, I remember a conversation with Bruce and I uh, three, four years ago, and we were talking about what gross margin you get to. And, you know, I was definitely wrong, and he was definitely right. I didn't imagine it getting to these levels. So it's an option awesome to see what the team's done there, just finding more and more efficiencies, what the finance team's done with, um, you know, really driving the right kind of relationships with our, with our vendors. But, yeah, there's definitely – um, more opportunities to to squeeze and get more get more juice out of this thing for sure from a cost perspective and efficiency perspective. And that's that's great to hear. And uh, thanks again and congrats. Thank you.
0: There are no further questions at this time. This concludes Ms. something, You may now disconnect.
1: Good. Thank you, everybody.